Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's, What's left to do? What's left to do? Oh, there's plenty left to do. That's one of the interesting things about this job is that the, the, the longer you're in it, this, at least my experience, the deeper you're into it, and the more things you see that can that need attention. So when someone asks me what my goals are now, I say, "Well, you know, I got a big long list because, you know, I, I, I know what's going on." All right, District Six. First of all, let's let's do the geography thing. Where's District Six? Well, it it starts uh, in in further in town on the east in the well on the west side of town. It starts at Hawthorne between Oglethorpe and Atlanta Highway, and comes west toward Oconee County. Uh, between uh, Tallahassee and uh, Atlanta Highway, and th- then at the loop, it spreads out over Atlanta Highway to the uh, to the county line. It's a very large district geographically. And you define it, or you describe it, as a district that is ripe for commercial redevelopment. Talk about what you have in mind there. Yes. Well, a few years ago, actually, right after I was elected, uh, the the new shopping center in Oconee County, Frank Bishop Shopping Center, uh, broke ground. Uh, and and was built and, and we lost some businesses to there uh, and since then we've lost brick and mortar to well we lost Macy's we lost Sears recently to basically online uh, online yeah online. I was about to mention that it's it's not that Oconee County is your quote unquote competition no. it is obviously to some extent but but the real competition brick and mortar yeah. is as you just said at the online world I, exactly. But we had a lot of empty storefronts, uh, you know, seven years ago, and and gradually they filled up, with the exception of those big stores like Macy's and Sears. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Macy's is probably going to have a tenant in it. It won't be retail, uh, mm. ironically. Oh, so what, it'll, another gym it'll, or something? It'll what? be an online okay. operation. It'll yeah. be their entire operation. Um and Sears is uh, is up for sale. That property is up for sale. I met with the with the with the broker, real estate broker, just a week ago, and just to talk about. He wanted to find out what the community would and wouldn't tolerate there. And we talked about even housing. And I, in fact, I met with uh, with Charlie Hendon, who's Hendon Properties, who mm-hmm. owns the mall. He owns three malls. Um, the mayor and I met with him about five six months ago. And he had some ideas about, uh, and he had he had he had drawings, not not detailed drawings, conceptual drawings, of a multi-use for for the mall, which included office space, housing, and as well as retail. Well, and the commission role there, obviously, Commissioner Neesmith, <laughs> if something like that is going to happen, there would be some rezoning issues. I'm sure there would have, there would be some rezoning for housing, although it is commercial general. There's a, a lot of latitude that the that the property owner has there. But the good news is he's thinking about it. He, he, he told me and the mayor that his company was committed to uh, making it right. Yeah, that's the worst thing that could happen. It, 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 if it were to become blighted, oh, yeah. uh, obviously, is, is something that would be of a tremendous concern to a lot of folks. And so the effort is to make sure that doesn't happen. Yes, and, and I, I think I've talked the mayor into in his next uh, initiative for a tax allocation district is where you, you designate an area of town and you say from this point forward, the increased property taxes go into a capital fund 
to be used f for that area to to improve it or even to uh, attract uh, new new businesses there in, in, in some way. We'll talk about something that made news this week. Uh, it doesn't deal specifically with your district, although uh, you have been very active with the Athens Ben Epps Airport Authority. This news of this week, I think, I, actually, I think I learned of it from you, some social media note that you made, that uh, the $750,000 federal dollars uh, coming to Athens in the form of a grant to help uh, try to recruit commercial air service back to Ben Epps. What are we talking about? here well we've been working on this for a couple of years and you're right I go to all the airport authority meetings I'm kind of the unofficial liaison with the Commission uh, Sharon Dickerson when she was defeated she she said Jerry we need somebody to to do this and so I started doing it before she left office anyway uh, we applied for a grant we've got a new manager he well he's two two years in the job now Mike Mike Matthews an incredible guy that's how we talk around here. He's been here two years. He's a new guy. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> He's only been here 15 yeah. years. Anyway, uh, and, and really kind of a new authority, which is uh, appointed by the, by the commission. Uh, and they've been working very hard. They hired a consultant. They did a study about the catchment area. In other words, if we had commercial service, uh, how many passengers would we get that, that's within a 30-minute range of Athens of the airport? Uh, it turns out that if just uh, 7% of those passengers, and I can't recall the numbers right off my head, 7% of those passengers that are now using Atlanta uh, to fly uh, came to Athens within our catchment area, we could support an airline. Uh, to what extent? How many flights are we oh, even talking it, about the, that The yet? plan, yeah, the plan is uh, uh, two, two flights a day to Charlotte in uh, 50 passenger jets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's nothing massive, but it certainly sounds doable. The question is, well, how do you it make it economically feasible for an airline right. to come in and do it? Yeah, good good point. Uh, well, first of all, you know, we've put uh, quite a bit of money into a new passenger terminal through a SPLOST initiative. So we have a brand new passenger terminal. Which, by the way, I've gorgeous. seen, and it, it, it is actually it is quite impressive. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not huge. It's the right size. We just finished uh, redoing the main runway. Uh, at uh, FAA expense mostly, uh, so we're ready, and this seven hundred fifty thousand dollars will be used to help support the airline dur during its first one or two years of operation while it builds its, its passenger base. I hear Commissioner Neesmith, and this whether rumor, speculation, or, or wishful thinking. I hear American Airlines. You mentioned Charlotte. That would yeah. That, well, that's the obvious choice, and we've been in talks with with American Airlines on and off for the last couple of years, and we we hope. And one never knows. We hope now that we've got our runway finished and we've got $750,000 to support them that we can get them here. What do you do with $750,000? How does that money actually get used? Well, it'll be used, for, it'll be used for marketing. It might even be used for some of their expenses. We have a lot of latitude in how we use that money. That, that's yet to be seen. Right. That's not, not, not known yet. All right, Commissioner Jerry Neesmith. Sidewalks or the lack thereof. And it's been a thing, and, and this idea of connectivity and sidewalks a big part of that. Uh, some parts of town doing better than others there. Yeah, we, we, we put a lot of sidewalks into the old city of, of Athens. Uh, but it, it's time that we took care of the suburbs. Uh, and the west side is one of those suburbs, in particular uh, uh, Mitchell Bridge Road from Atlanta Highway to uh, uh, Tallahassee Road. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of rooftops out there, a lot of people wanting to be able to walk, and, and we need those neighborhoods connected. So one of the things that Mike Commissioner Hamby and I are working on is uh, is completing the sidewalks that exist all the way from Macon Highway 
to Tallahassee Road, which would actually create a loop around Athens of sidewalks. Uh, what kind of money are we talking about here? We don't know yet. We've got we've got we've got four million dollars in SPLOS for that for for whatever purpose we want to designate around Atlanta Highway. There is a citizens uh, group uh, working with staff now uh, to. Uh, Look at the different options for how to how to, what needs to be. There done. was a, a discussion some time back. I don't know where this went. Maybe you'll recall it and can tell me. There was this idea floated uh, that that okay, my neighborhood decides my subdivision that we want mm-hmm. sidewalks. We could skip to the head of the line if we're willing to pony up if to do it. If you're willing to pony up, yes, that's true. Uh, the Talus, well, the Mitchell Bridge sidewalks are going to be expensive just because of the sure. topography. All right, uh, Commissioner Jerry Neesmith with us here. A couple of other things. Uh, you serve on the board of Advantage Behavioral Health Systems. Uh, one of the things that I know you're near and dear to you in terms of uh, vocation, avocation, and then just a general concern, the question of mental health and how we address that issue locally. Yes, Advantage is a safety net. It's, it's a, a state, semi-state agency, semi-private agency. It's an odd thing. It's one of the community service boards of which uh, there are 11 in the, in, in the state. Yeah, that word quasi comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was appointed by the mayor uh, one year into my term to be on that board, which I, I've, I've really been gratified to do because there's so much important work to do. But one of the things that's happened in the recent years is we did a study of, uh, of jail people coming to jail in our jail and we found by comparing that list with the client list at advantage that half of them had been diagnosed with mental illness uh, so as in almost any situation your biggest uh, mental institution is the jail mm. so immediately you go well what happens to them why did they get in jail first of all could it have been avoided? They're not getting treatment there. They're not even getting their drugs when they're admitted if they're on some sort of prescription medicine uh, for their mental illness. Uh, we, uh, we created, we've now created two teams of uh, crisis intervention response. It's a, a clinical psychologist and a specially trained police officer. We have now two teams, uh, which, by the way, was my initiative. It was advantage wanted it and I made sure that that Mm. as best I could that it happened and so they respond when there's a mental crisis when someone's in a mental crisis and what they do their their job is to de-escalate the situation and if that person uh, needs treatment to not take them to jail or the hospital take them to the behavioral health crisis center at advantage where they can stay as long as seven nights. It seems like such a subjective thing. I mean, we, we had, and just to go worst case for a moment here, we had obviously the half dozen officer-involved shootings exactly. last year, five of which ended with fatalities. I, I, I would venture to say you could, I'm thinking out loud here, you could probably make a really good case that in each case, each of those instances, we were dealing with people who had mental health challenges, we maybe were. some substance abuse issues, that kind of thing. But it, it's such a subjective thing. How do you make that decision, quote unquote, on the spot well, in the moment? I'm certainly not a trained police officer, but uh, if you watch the, the if you watch the body cams of those incidents, it's pretty obvious these people are mentally disturbed, and and the suicide by cop was a big part of what was happening. There. Sure. Uh, and that's why we want to send trained trained officers and, and clinical psychologists to to be there, so that the, so that it's not it doesn't become violent. I was in training uh, the, the chief Spruill, who who's doing a fabulous job, by the way. 
uh, invited me to a one-day training course that all the officers are going through in its advanced crisis intervention, uh, and uh, which ends with a simulation where the with four teams of four uh, go through a, a simulated scenario. Uh, and they, they, they basically, if you have a, an individual who's disturbed and doesn't have a gun, <laughs> then the 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 role the, the role of the officer is to to deescalate. Well, if they have a gun, you deescalate too. But if they don't have a gun, it's a different strategy. Uh, you assume they do, though. By the way, and that's where you defend yourself sure. as an officer. Uh, so the the officers are getting wonderful training uh, in 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 crisis. Do you worry? Let me ask you this: Do you worry? And this may be a question for the chief, but you went through at least a portion of the program. Do you worry? Is it possible there's too much training? I worry about a situation in which that officer, that phrase paralysis by analysis, comes to mind. He's got a million different things to think about and a fraction of a moment in which to think of them. Well, and there are cases where that's exactly what will happen, and that's where training comes in because he knows his training. He he, he recognizes the situation, and, and he's he's already thought about and been trained about how to respond. One of the policies that Chief Spruill put in right after we had these six uh, officer-involved shootings is when an officer comes upon uh, a disturbed individual, uh, he doesn't make contact with that individual. He evaluates the situation, and if no one's life is threatened or, or health is threatened, he waits for two more officers to arrive. And those, two, those three officers then make a tactical plan about handling the situation important part of that plan is that at least one officer will have a non-lethal weapon, a taser, and another officer will have a lethal, lethal weapon. So now they've got the option. When, when, when it's a single officer, you, you pretty yeah. much have to pull your, pull your gun. You're, you're committed. You're yeah. kind of committed. Yeah. But this allows them to think about it and then de-escalate the situation with non-lethal force. Uh, Commissioner Jerry Neesmith with us. On the same subject, criminal justice issues in Athens, there are those who suggest, and they point to data that suggests there are any number of racial disparities in the way that we interact with and people interact with our criminal justice system locally. Yes. What do you say? Well, uh, there are, and we've got some citizens that have done some analytical studies of uh, the profiles of people who... uh, who are incarcerated, and there's, there's a there's a there's definitely a an issue there. What do we do about it? Well, well, one one thing we do here's something we're doing right now is uh, solicitor uh, C. R. Chisholm put together a task force made up of all the chiefs of police, UGA, Clark County Schools, and Athens, and the probation director of probation, and a couple of judges to work on a thing called pre-arrest diversion, where if someone has committed a crime, apparently, the officer that, that responds has the option of giving them, letting, offering to enroll them in a pre-arrest diversion program. That program will be designed for whatever their issue is. And, and their crime could have been shoplifting, public drunkenness, public disturbances. There's a whole list of them, including possession of a small amount of marijuana. And if they agree to go to this pre-arrest diversion and they complete the program, uh, there will be no record of their of their crime, not even a citation. Hmm. The citation is literally put in a drawer until they complete the program. If they don't complete the program or they choose not to go in the program, then the citation goes on their record. So we, we've got to, we've got to work it on the front end a, a, a little better. Uh, I think our officers have our, a lot of its training again. And attitude. I think our officers are, are 
really, really good. And I think it will be better. Uh, but it is a problem. Listener wants to know, uh, this comes from Dale. Uh, Dale hit me up on email. Uh, wants to know, uh, hey, Dahlonega has one. Why doesn't Athens have a film commission to promote movie making? There's a dozen of these things in cities and counties around the state now. Is that something that might be on the Athens radar? It is in our radar, and I know, I know exactly who the listener is. <laughs> <laughs> it is in our radar, and uh, we've we've had meetings with the mayor uh, about that. Uh, and, and I've offered the mayor to do, help do the heavy lifting on this because I think it, it could be an industry here. It is. It's it's just needs to be watered and nourished. And uh, hopefully the mayor will pick that back up and we'll, we'll move with it. But I'm I'm I'm. I'm totally agree in agreement with that. About a minute left here, Commissioner Neesmith. I know something you've talked about as you kick off uh, kick off this reelection campaign. Uh, getting local businesses more involved in the county procurement yes. process. Yes. Uh, I've talked to the mayor, and, and we've talked about it, and, and he's actually put it into a committee now uh, where we would give favor, our procurement policies would give favor to local businesses. Uh, you know, we're going to spend over $300 million in, in the next 11 years just on SPLOS 2020 with big projects. It would, be, it, would, it would be nice if we could keep as much of that money as possible in our community, in our economy, and support the local businesses. So I, I think we'll get there. Uh, we're working on the policy now, so I think that'll happen. As a as a taxpayer, as somebody who's looking for, I don't, I don't want to say everything for the lowest bidder, but I'm looking for the best bang for the buck, why do I necessarily care that it's procured locally? Well, uh, the big reason is because it'll be good for our economy. Uh, it, it, the businesses will grow, uh, and our tax base will grow, and people will be employed. Uh, those are all good things to happen. Um, you're at, you're right. We don't want to have to spend more money just to keep the money in 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 the county, uh, but at least give some favor to the local businesses when, we're, when we're writing. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.